You are gonna be the best mom. I'm an amazing mother. You are the best mom in the whole world. Lady, you are the best mom ever. Welcome to The Mom Show, My Talk 1071's new show featuring guests and topics that all good moms will want to hear. The phone lines are open for your questions. Am I doing this right? 651-641-1071 or email the show at mytalk1071.com, keyword mom. Thank you so much for joining us here on the mom show on my talk 1071 i am sonny sitting in for miss shannon this week i wanted to remind you that if for any reason you miss any part of the show today you can listen to our podcast on on podcast one wherever you get your podcast and don't forget to download the my talk app that's where you get rewarded just for listening get those details at mytalk1071.com uh so on the mom show you can expect a variety of pa- panelists who come in and share information from their respective professions to help us moms not go crazy and today we have Dr. Amy Johnson Grass from Health Foundations Birth Center and Women's Health Clinic. We just updated the name. Is that right? Yes. Well, <laughs> we, we want women to know that because I think when they think birth center, mm-hmm. they think we only do maternity care. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we just really want women to know that we also do lots of women's health. Yeah. So um, they can come see us for all their pregnancy care, but they can come see us for all their general health care needs as well. So everybody and there's another piece of that, too. Right. Everybody thinks women's health is PAPs, breast exams, right. contraception. But we really do a lot more. So um, if you have thyroid issues, if you're just tired, if you haven't had a physical in a long time if um you want to get labs done you know we also have a functional medicine provider mm-hmm. and um so if you know what that is and that's what you're interested in that's something to come see us for as well mm-hmm. um mood issues you know all of those things women can come and see us for mm-hmm. and we have always been in st paul you know we've been there almost 10 years okay. but just recently this last month in june we did open a women's health clinic in minneapolis Yay! and linden hills <laughs> so you can also come and see us in linden hills and then we also will be opening a clinic in hudson in august wow. and so we have lots of growth happening um um, but really just wanting to be available to women in various parts of the cities and the surrounding areas. And various um, parts of their lives as well. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and so that's a good thing to say, too, right? Mm-hmm. We help girls, mm-hmm. you know, through mm-hmm. puberty and even through some of their physical exams mm-hmm. or if they've got health concerns all the way up through menopause and beyond. So you don't have to be just thinking about a baby right. to come and see us. So. Right. I always give the example, my daughter actually just went and she's 10 mm-hmm. to see one of our providers um, because she just went to camp and we needed a physical. And so um, we, she came in and we did a little physical, but um, we've been talking about puberty a lot, right? Good. Because this is the time the now time. that girls, mm-hmm. um, that's that talk is happening. So we had that powerful puberty class this last fall. We're going to have it again. So oh, I'm good. just putting a little plug in for that. Okay. But it's nice to be able to have like this safe environment and providers who just kind of slip it into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I thought that was really nice that, um, the provider that we saw, um, really just said, Hey, Isla, you know, if this is, if you've got questions or, or you know, you're going to camp and, mm-hmm. you know, as you and your mom talked about what happens if you get your period yeah, or, yeah. but even just to say, Hey, if there's questions that come up that you don't necessarily feel comfortable or you don't know who to talk to, you can always come talk to me. And, and also I, to write down questions while you're at camp. Cause I know she's going to learn a lot of stuff. Right. Girls learn a lot of stuff from other girls at camp. So, <laughs> so I think that was nice just to have somebody outside of me yeah. that she knows yes. that to say, Oh, okay. Even if it's just a seed planted mm-hmm. to say, Oh, okay. This is another safe person in my life mm-hmm. that I can ask these 
awkward questions because right at that age you feel for pretty awkward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anyway, so I just put that out there that um, that we can help women and girls across all of their lifespan. And and, and a variety of locations as well. Absolutely. If you're just tuning in and you have questions about today's topics, do not be afraid to call in 651-641-1071. And what specifically are we talking about today? So today we're going to be talking about VBACs, which is vaginal birth after cesarean. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, naturally we'll be talking about cesareans as well. Mm -hmm. I've really been out in the community a lot this last six months doing um, talking with lots of women and providers and hospitals. And um, the big thing right now is maternal mortality here in the United yeah, States and yeah. um, healthcare disparities. But the thing that I've been hearing a lot of questions about and a lot of misconceptions about are VBACs. Mm-hmm. So again, VBAC vaginal birth after cesarean. So I thought it would be nice to just sit today and talk a little bit about the statistics mm-hmm. The words, you know, there's lots of acronyms like VBAC and TOLAC and Mm -hmm. all of these things that Mm -hmm. you may or may not have heard of. And you may or may not even know that what this is or that it's an option. And I think that's what I've learned really talking with more women is, you know, if they've gone, well, even if it's your first baby, this is a really good thing to listen to because Mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about questions to ask your providers to know what what the possibility is of you having a cesarean. Mm -hmm. But we are also going to be talking about if you've already had a baby and you've had a C-section, what are your options now with your next babies? That's my first question is what, so how does that look of VBAC? Because my, my first thought is I'm confused and I'm a mom myself and that sounds confused. So what is that to paint that picture for us about what a VBAC is? What is that? So a VBAC is, um, so you've had, Say you're pregnant mm-hmm. and you had your first baby mm-hmm. and your first baby you had with um, a cesarean birth. Okay. So um, then with subsequent pregnancies, the question is, is do you have a VBAC, a vaginal birth after your cesarean mm-hmm. or do you have another cesarean? Okay. okay. Because, um, you know, years ago and it was once thought that once a cesarean, always a cesarean. Okay. And that's okay. not that's not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. But sometimes there's still that thinking out there that, or women are told, oh, you've had a C-section. So this is what we got to do the rest of the... Yes, yeah. and I just want women to hear that that may not be the case. The stats don't support that. Why Why? Why did we have that misconception? To, is it just because the technology was limited or... Well, you know, practice changes, mm-hmm. research changes. Um, you know, we're going to be talking about the numbers we're going to be talking about today are the research-based numbers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's let's just talk about some real basic numbers okay, to start. Okay. Okay. So in this country, one in three, or about 30 to 32% of women who deliver, deliver by C-section. How many, what's the percentage? One in three. Oh, wow. Okay. So one wow. in three women walking into a hospital mm-hmm. generally have the um, risk mm-hmm. Of a 30% chance of having a C-section. Of having a C-section, okay. That's okay. our national statistic. Okay. Here in Minnesota, um, the CDC, um, well, the, the Center for Disease Control publishes statistics by state. Okay. And so the most recent numbers are for 2017. And so and here in Minnesota, we're right around 27 to 28%. Oh, wow. That's pretty close to the national. So it is. It yeah. is pretty close to yeah. the national. So we have the one in three nationally, about 27, 28% here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. 
So that's a pretty high percentage of women mm-hmm. having C-sections yeah. and then thinking about or at least stuff. significant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The World Health Organization, which um, they publish all of this information for all the countries. Mm-hmm. And um, they are saying that the they recommend the ideal rate for a C-section is between 10 to 15 percent. Wow. And some research studies are showing now maybe even up to 19 so wow. anywhere between 10 to 19%, let's say. Is it a danger? Are C-sections, why, why is it supposed to be so low? Is that like the last thing that, to consider while in the delivery room? or? Well, what? what we were finding, and when you're starting to see then C-section rates that are above that recommended mm-hmm. range, mm-hmm. Um, because of course, some C-sections are absolutely necessary. Right. I want every, you know, of course, there's right. no question about that. But when we start getting into those higher ranges of percentages, what the research is showing is, you know, 40 to 50% of those C-sections could be prevented. Okay, okay. And so, um, so what we're looking at is then what is leading to those. Right, right. Excess, you know, numbers of Mm -hmm, mm C-sections. And so a lot of times in this country, we look at things like intervention. So it's called the intervention cascade. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, let's give you an example. If you go into labor and you go into the hospital and your contractions aren't at a regular pattern and they say, or let's even step back, say that you want to get induced. So Mm -hmm. um, or your doctor wants you to be induced. So you're put on medication to start your contractions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's one step in kind of the intervention cascade. Then often women have epidurals. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times um, they can't hear baby's heart rate adequately with the belts. And so they put in a little electrode here on baby's head so Mm -hmm. they can monitor baby more Mm -hmm. clearly. And then sometimes with an epidural, you spike a fever and then baby's heart rate goes up and then it's called fetal distress. And then you end up with a C-section. So you see kind of along that intervention cascade, how things just kind of keep piling up on each other that lead to that end result. Right. So, you know, when we're looking at that amount of C-sections here in the United States, then it's looking at, okay, because... I've had a C-section. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, my, my sister's had a C-section. Yeah, my mm-hmm. first was a C-section. Um, in, gosh, almost 12, 12, 13 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was thinking about this whole idea of C-section and VBACs, there's so many things that come up. And I thought, well, maybe I should just share a little part of my story. It sounds like it's it's going to be helpful for women to be aware of the options that they have. Is that what we're doing yeah. today? <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. So, um, with my first, I, I went pretty far past my due date and I tried everything to get into labor, Mm -hmm. right? Everything that women are told, like, um, walk more, you know, Mm -hmm. spicy food and chocolate cake. Wait, we got to go on break. I want, I want want you to hold out on that story. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What are we talking about other than this story of of your experience with the C-section? What are we talking about next? We are going to talk a little bit more about some stats, but also some questions to ask your providers. Mm -hmm. If you've had a C-section and you're going into this next. Welcome back to the mom show here on my talk. One Oh seven one. I am Sonny in for Miss Shannon. And we are talking about V backs also known as vaginal birth after cesarean. And we are, in with Amy Johnson Grass and she's navigating us through this 
world of stats and and questions that you might have if you're a soon-to-be mom or if you know somebody that's about to be a mom and they have questions. And if you have questions, please call us and get in on the conversation at 651-641-1071. So when, if you just tuned in, we were about at the beginning part of Dr. Amy Johnson-Grass talking about her experience having a C-section. So let's continue this story. Yeah. So um, I have two children. They are currently 10 and 12. Mm -hmm. And so my first was a cesarean birth. And as I mentioned right before break, um, I went pretty far past my due date Mm -hmm. with my first and tried just about everything that you can do on your own to get into labor with no success. And so um, I ended up, I was planning an out-of-hospital birth at the time. I ended up transferring into the hospital because at that point we needed extra tools, right? Mm -hmm. And so I I was induced. I went through the whole Pitocin um, induction and, you know, we, that late, my labor in the hospital was roughly around three days. It was long, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I'll kind of fast forward to the end, but, you know, there was a point when I looked up at my husband and I'm like, honey, I promise we're going to have more kids. I don't need to learn at all (laughs) (laughs) with this birth, right? right? Right. And at that point, I had delivered hundreds of babies. I've been at hundreds of births. And, you know, so I'd seen I'd seen all of these other women and their stories. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh. I mean, because truly, by the end, um, before I ended up with my C-section, prior to that, I did end up with just about every intervention mm. possible. But, um, you know, and it was time, you know. My son was showing, showing distress, mm-hmm. and you know that was a very appropriate thing. response to, especially yes. if you had exhausted all the options, right? And you know, I feel like we truly did, and so, but still, when you go through that, um, when you have a cesarean and you are planning a vaginal delivery, or you had a birth plan, or you know, part of this talk too, I really wanted to acknowledge just the emotion that a woman goes through as well it's not just that we're talking about all these stats and all the options and the questions i just really want to acknowledge that it's really an emotional journey for Mm -hmm. women and partly it feels like a loss Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. it's a loss of an idea and a hope that you had for your labor and um and you know i really encourage women to talk with other women or talk with uh, providers or talk with their doula or talk with their partners about their experience, about what they're feeling when they're ready. Mm -hmm. Mm Because I think, too, that's a piece of it. You know, I don't I didn't really feel like I wanted to talk about it Mm. for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Months. I was going to say, wait, while you were in. Uh, labor you don't want to talk about or leading no, up to the labor? I, I was going to say after the cesarean happened itself. Ah, okay. You know, there's, because then afterwards there's a whole big healing period. I mean, right. it's major abdominal right. surgery, right? Right. So you're in the hospital for several days and there's this healing and then you also have this baby. Right. On top of that, yep. That, okay, um, if you're planning on breastfeeding, you're learning how to breastfeed yep. and what that looks like yep. or how to bottle feed or, oh my gosh, baby's crying. I'm exhausted. I haven't had sleep. You know, all the things that we talk about at other pieces of being a mom. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's all of that on top of it. There's all of these emotions around what just happened in labor and everything else. Right. 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 And so I think... Um, there's lots of good support groups. There's lots of um, 
people there to really hear you and listen mm-hmm. if that's something that you need. Okay. We also talk writing about your birth story, right? Mm-hmm. That sometimes that can be a really healing process just to get your feelings and thoughts out on a piece of paper. And so, you know, there's lots of even writing your birth story classes here in the Twin Cities. Mm. Um, if that's something that you feel you want guidance of, this is something great to Google, actually. There's lots of guidance on, on Google. This is a good thing to Google about. <laughs> what is it, what does it do for you to write? Because I'm, I'm just hearing that. I'm like, I never actually told anybody about my birth. <laughs> I don't. I, I haven't talked about it. I don't. Yeah. And so what is what is the benefit of writing out your birth story in connection with having a C-section? So it gives you an opportunity to, you know, it's like journaling anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of an emotional dump. It's, if you want to think of it as a real, you know, kind Instead of, of holding it all in. Yeah. And you're able to get it out and look at it. Yeah. Okay. And especially if you don't feel like you're ready to talk with somebody about it right. or verbalize, right. you know, some of those words or feelings, or maybe you don't feel like you can, mm-hmm. that you can still put that on a piece of paper for yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to share it with anybody. Right. Because that, that physicality of just putting it out there and getting it like, handing it over yeah. to something else yeah. can yeah. be really helpful. Mm-hmm. So, so, about, so about these stats. Yes. So if you've had a cesarean before, let's talk about what happens then with subsequent pregnancies. Okay. okay. Because what I'm hearing women tell me is my provider told me once a C-section, always a C-section. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not true. So 90% of women who've had C-sections are candidates for a VBAC. Mm. So... That's a lot of women. That is a lot of women. <laughs> and right? it makes you wonder. But if that's what they're hearing, then that, then for then me, that know. explains why the the amount of cesareans are going up. If doctors are like, yep, this is what it is. So once a C-section, always a C-section. Not true. Not to say that everybody who's, who's had a C-section is a candidate for a vaginal right. birth going right. on. But 90% of women who've had cesareans are candidates for a vaginal, vaginal birth. birth. Okay. Of those 90% of women, 60, per, 60 to 80%, so roughly three to four out of every five women who've had previous C-sections can successfully give birth vaginally. This is so interesting. I, I just automatically assumed that, like you said, once a C-section, always a C-section. So yeah. to hear this is, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to get another niece or nephew out of my sister. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I hope I'm planting seeds today just to say, hey... There's options. There's options. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, if you're being told something different, I mean, these are research numbers. You can go out there on your own. ACOG, which is the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, the CDC, which is the Center for Disease Control, you know, the World Health Organization, all of these big entities are publishing what this, you know, this, these statistics. So you mm-hmm. can actually go and find these statistics. Do the for research yourself. yourself too and then challenge yes. your, your, your provider and ask questions, not even in like a, I mean, because have, being pregnant in itself and going through that is big and scary. And then you walk in and you see this expert and you're like, they, they work with women who are pregnant all the time. It's, it's, it's intimidating to challenge what they're telling you. Oh, absolutely. But if you have your own research, then you can say, Hey, you know, I heard. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, what what I hear from women, too, is this. I've seen this provider for all my gyne care. I'm just going to go to them right. for my pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Okay, women. <laughs> we re research just about everything else in our yeah, lives, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. Why in the world would you not research this piece of your life? 
because it's overwhelming. I'll 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 play devil's advocate. It's overwhelming. It's and it's just one other thing to do. But it is, it is, it is. It's such important. a transformative mm-hmm. time in women's lives, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it is a big decision yeah. because it will impact you for the rest of right. your life, women. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So do the research. Do so your research. Do your research, and just don't default without doing your research. Right. And plus, we're lucky. We're in a time where you can do your own research, whereas yeah. before it was just like what the doc, what the doctor says is what goes. And right. now we have all of this information. So I know it could uh, to play devil's advocate. I know it can get overwhelming. You know, because you're having to dealing with your your family's changing, the baby's room, and going back to work, and <laughs> there's all this other stuff. And then on top of that, to have to research, it's probably a bit much. But you know what? I think. I think this partly has to do with it's because it has to deal with us and awesome. women often don't take the time for themselves. Yes, ma'am. Yes, because ma'am. you think of the baby and how many pediatricians or pediatric providers are you going to interview or research? Mm-hmm. Yeah, about a thousand. <laughs> yes. And all of these other things, vaccines, mm-hmm. how you're going to feed your baby, how mm-hmm. you're going to sleep with your baby. You're how gonna are you going to re- be able to go back to work and yes. service someone else? And yeah. You're going to research everything, <laughs> but you won't take the time for your, because it really is, right? This is about ourselves. This That's is about true. taking care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And women aren't historically very good at that. Yeah. And so women, take that time for yourself, because I'll tell you what, everything else can maybe be easier depending on the provider that you're choosing for yourself. And that's not only for pregnancy, that's for just life in general. Um, Because you want somebody who's there who can help, you know, guide that ship Mm -hmm. of health. Mm -hmm. Um, Not necessarily just, I don't know. Our healthcare system today is really difficult. And so I always call it, I'm, I'm not interested in a fast food provider. There you right? go. That there I can just go. drive in and you tell me for 10 minutes the one thing that I'm asking about and nothing else. Right. And drive on out. Right. On that note, it is break time. Uh, if you're just tuning in, get in on the conversation. If you have a question, we know this is kind of a scary territory, but we are here to help. Dr. Amy Johnson Grass is here. We are talking about VBACs or vaginal birth after cesarean. If you have a question or you want to get in on the comments, or just say something, share some information, 651-641-1071. And what are we talking about when we get back? We are going to talk about the question. There's one question it's boiled down to to ask your provider when you're thinking about giving birth. Okay, all right. Hold on to that question. You guys stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Mom Show on My Talk 1071. I'm Sonny in for Miss Shannon, and we are talking about VBACs, also known as vaginal birth after cesarean, with Dr. Amy Johnson Grass from Health Foundations Birth Center and Women's Health Clinic. If you are just tuning in and you want to get in on the conversation or you have a legitimate questioner, it doesn't even have to be legitimate. It can just be <laughs> just an honest question. 651-641-1071. So where are we going now with the conversation? So we've been talking about the VBACs, and now I just want... You know, I always say you asking questions. You know, mm-hmm. we've been talking about asking your provider questions, mm-hmm. but I always say it's hard to know what questions to ask. Yeah, yeah. So I've really thought about this and and done you know a lot of reading and from my own experience and then from working with women uh, throughout pregnancy for for a long time. It really boils down to this. And research really shows this right now, that the biggest risk factor for having a cesarean is the facility that you walk into in labor. Okay. So what does that mean? So I'm just going to say it again, because I think it's so important to hear. So the biggest risk factor for having a C-section 
is the facility that you walk into in labor. So what that means is the hospital that you go to to deliver your baby really will sometimes determine if you end up having a C-section or not. So I always give the example of, so say you're a healthy woman and there are four different hospitals in your area. Mm-hmm. If and you have the same risk, so it's just you, same situation. And in labor, you walk into those four different hospitals. You could have four very different, different experiences outcomes. Gotcha. and outcomes. Okay, and that's why it's so important to ask the questions beforehand. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, what is the question to ask? What is your C-section rate at your hospital? Mm. And then you should ask your provider or provider group, right? Because you can pick your provider, Mm -hmm. but the likelihood that he or she will be at your delivery is probably quite low if they're in a group. Right, right. So really it's asking, you can ask the provider, what is your C-section rate? Mm -hmm. But what is your group's C-section rate? rate? And when's a good time to ask this question? First, second, third trimester? Anytime. (laughs) When you are deciding who you want for your provider. Gotcha, okay. So I'm assuming, (laughs) I'm I'm putting it out there, women, you are going to be interviewing or looking at different providers that you want to deliver with. Mm -hmm. So when you're interviewing or when you're asking or talking to provider groups, this is the question to ask when you're trying to figure out who you want to deliver with. And I think it's good to put that in women's minds because as the attitudes start to change, I think the more women ask, the more hospitals will be like, why are they asking this question? Right. Well, here in the Twin Cities, um, statistics for the hospitals are fairly easy to find. Mm-hmm. So you can um, right now, you know, healthcare is supposed to, trying to be more transparent. Mm-hmm. And so having the statistics available um, shouldn't be that difficult. And some, you know, publish them on Facebook. Some mm-hmm. you go to their website. Some you have to ask for. But um, that number shouldn't be too difficult to come across to come across or to get or you know if you ask for somebody to give that to you if you're asking the hospital the provider group and they aren't able to give you that information or they're starting to stumble mm-hmm. on their words mm-hmm. or whatever that looks like i always think that's a red flag yeah yeah because those are some simple stats and you know providers and hospitals right now um in general, I think throughout history, but particularly right now when we're having these conversations of the U.S. having the highest maternal mortality rate mm-hmm. in all developed countries, mm-hmm. people are looking at stats. Are, is, is the, are there any connections between the mortality rate and C-sections? Yes. Oh, no. Yes. And so, um, you know, a C-section is major abdominal yeah. surgery. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think... Um, We've normalized C-sections, I feel like, in our country Mm -hmm. um, through media, through movies. I mean, I always talk about that idea of, you know, we learn about childbirth from the movies that we watch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, you know, if we and, you know, I'll just be honest, too, you know, we've had women come from families or, you know, we've had women even come from out of state to deliver with us that tell me, Amy, all of the women in my family have had a C-section. Wow. We're driving and we are coming to you because we want the possibility of a different option. Right, right, right. Because nobody can guarantee a vaginal birth. Nobody can guarantee anything. Anything. Right? Yeah, in labor. (laughs) But, you know, I'll give you a comparison. So we talked about one in three or 30% of women in this nation have a C-section in hospitals. Mm -hmm. 
our C-section rate at Health Foundation's birth center has hovered around 2 to 3%. Mm. Look at y'all out here. Changing 2 to 3%. <laughs> 30%. Yeah, that's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. But we, our care is also very different. Mm-hmm. Um, because we don't... We don't have the intervention cascade. Mm -hmm. We are experts in normal and all of its variations. And that, how we say, that sounds really strange to people, right? It does sound strange. (laughs) Why is it so important that we're experts in normal? It's because most providers aren't right now in Mm -hmm. labor and delivery. What what do you what do you think has made it like that? Like, is do you think the movies are affecting how health professionals are going towards? Like, what do you think it is? Is it like the follow the money, the paper trail? Is it is it do they get more money for C-sections? Like, why are we doing that if we know that it's affecting our health overall? I think there are lots of reasons and I think it's hard to cover all of them. Part of it might be financial. Um, mm-hmm. Providers are paid a higher amount of money for C-sections. For C-sections. Okay. Okay. Um Hospitals are also paid because uh, mm-hmm. you're in the hospital longer. Right. So for the healing process. Right. Right. So the bill for you and baby is. is and then pharmaceuticals probably because yes. of the painkillers and things. Yeah. Liability. You know, we are a litigious country, meaning, uh, you know, we sue providers. Mm-hmm. Um, we really have the mentality that nothing ever should go wrong. Mm. <laughs> and that's just not a reality of life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think through the years that plays a piece in it, too, because. Um, so it's like a safer option for the hospitals. Is that what you're saying? Well, let me put it this way. No, a doctor won't get sued for doing a C-section. If you think about it, right? Either they're the savior and, oh, thank goodness we did a C-section, nothing went wrong. Right, right, right. Or if baby's in distress or there's, you know, more of a a more difficult outcome, Mm -hmm. then it's thank goodness we did the C-section. So nothing bad happened or we didn't go down that road. And so, you know, from a liability standpoint, um, you know, you kind of have to think that way too. Right, right. Like those are the those are big generalizations. You right. know, but that's a piece of it. You know, part of it is how um, our hospitals are set up. You know, right now there's lots of research that say the design of an mm. actual labor and delivery unit makes mm-hmm. a difference. So when you have labor and delivery rooms centered around operating rooms, mm. the C-section rates are higher Right. versus, right. you know, if they're, if the plan and the organization or the, the floor plan mm-hmm. of the labor and delivery unit is different, sometimes the C-section rate is lower. Mm-hmm. So the, so there's a lot of moving pieces. There's a lot of moving pieces, staffing. <laughs> I mean, you know, all of these things. So it's not just one thing. And then, right. you know, we are a country of intervention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, when I say, you know, we at health foundations or midwives are experts in normal, particularly I want to say at the birth center, because, again, you still have to ask all those questions right. to every provider. Right. But um, so we know that all women don't dilate, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. centimeter an hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We know that sometimes your labor will go, 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 go. And then there might be a pause. And that's OK. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we, for years, we've been saying you need to eat and drink throughout labor. You need right. lots of different position changes. Right. And so those things are becoming more known and popular in all birth settings. But um, 
but still, even though it's talked about, it's still not inundated as routine mm. in how they practice. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, you know, I think there's a lot of those, a lot of those pieces. All right, this sounds like a good place to take a break. If you're just tuning in and you have questions, we are talking with Dr. Amy Johnson-Grass from Health Foundation's Birth Center and Women's Health. We're talking about VBACs or vaginal birth after cesarean. So if you have questions, 651-641-1071, but you got to wait until we get back. What are we talking about at the last section of this hour? We're going to talk about risks. Okay. All right, you guys stay tuned. This is The Mom Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Mom Show here on My Talk 1071. I'm Sonny in for Ms. Shannon, sitting with Dr. Amy Johnson Grass from Health Foundation's Birth Center and Women's Health. We are finishing up our conversation about VBACs or vaginal birth after cesareans. And what are we talking about on this last segment of the show? Oh, also, if you want to have a, if you want to get in on the conversation or you have a question, 651-641-1071. So we are going to be talking a little bit about the risks. Okay. Of either, so we we've been kind of generalizing it and talking about a VBAC, so vaginal birth after cesarean. Mm-hmm. But you know, the idea is it, you might also hear the word TOLAC, which is trial of labor after a cesarean. Okay. So really, it's saying we're going to try a labor out, mm-hmm. and if we have a vaginal birth, then it's a vaginal birth after cesarean. Okay, does that make sense? So Maybe we'll just stick with the VBAC idea. Okay. <laughs> so this, so the, the TOLAC is what is what happens. Is the TOLAC is the labor trial right. of labor after cesarean. Ah. So you labor, and you if don't you just have, go straight to the option of C-section. Well, right. Gotcha. Okay. So okay. trial of labor after cesarean, and if you end up with a vaginal delivery, it's called vaginal birth after cesarean. Ah. If not, you end up with a cesarean birth after cesarean. Okay. But nobody really talks about that. It just says I had another C-section. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. So reasons to consider a VBAC or a TOLAC, you know, a cesarean is major abdominal surgery. Mm -hmm. So, you know, any sort of risks that's associated with surgery would also be, you know, considered with a Mm -hmm. C-section. Your recovery period is significantly different if you have a vaginal birth versus a cesarean birth. Mm -hmm. You know, I will speak to this very wholeheartedly that my recovery after my c-section was hard because mm. you know you're in the hospital for about three days mm-hmm. you have the incision you are in pain mm-hmm. there's that whole healing process mm-hmm. i'd gone through labor already for several days so i was healing i felt like after that labor right. and then after a cesarean you're exhausted on top of that but, you know, we were talking during the break, you know, about the things that women don't necessarily know happen, you know, constipation, yep. pain, yep. difficulty moving, you know, all of these things that go along with surgery, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily associate with a C-section. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a big recovery period. So you have a big recovery period. There's less risk of infection with a VBAC. There's, you tend to lose less blood. Um, you have a greater chance of a vaginal birth af- with subsequent pregnancies. You know, um, so there's those things to think about, but there's also risks associated with a VBAC itself. So the number one thing that you hear and that often providers talk about or you hear when you say, yes, I've had a C-section and I'm interested in having a vaginal birth is everybody will say, well, aren't you worried about having a uterine rupture? What is that? So so a uterine rupture is so if you think of your uterus as um, there's a muscle layer there. And so when they cut through mm-hmm. for the cesarean to mm-hmm. get to baby and you're doing all that pushing and then gotcha. they they 
they they do stitches right. and it heals. Right. In subsequent pregnancies, when you have contractions, the idea is that that scar may be stressed already from the previous from the previous right. because you've had that incision there, right. and so it can rupture, it can break, and it's called a uterine rupture. Okay. So let's talk about the stats around that. So about 0.2 to 1.5% or about 1 in 500 women attempting a VBAC will have a uterine rupture. Oh, that's so low. So pretty low. Yeah. yeah. But it is a risk. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, with a uterine rupture, you know, there are risks to mom and to baby. Mm -hmm. So moms, uh, women can... Um, hemorrhage, they can bleed more, um, they may need a hysterectomy. You know, babies, the uterus and the placenta that are there are meant to help sustain baby with oxygen. Mm. And, you know, so in a uterine rupture, babies are at risk. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, that's a big, that's a, that's something to think about. Legitimate thing to think about, right? Right. So, you know, I think that, um, everybody views risk differently. Mm-hmm. And so, Again, doing that research, knowing your numbers, feeling this out within yourself to say, okay, is this a risk that I'm not okay with? Mm-hmm. Or is this, this is an okay number I'm okay with that I know that the risk is there, right. but it's similar to other risks, right. you know, that might happen. And so, you know, again, it's knowing that information and right. knowing your options, I right. think are really important. Right. Do we have enough time to take a quick call? Somebody wants yeah. to share their experience. Yep. Uh, we have Edith on the line. Good morning, Edith. Welcome to the mom show. Hi, I just wanted to um, chip in with uh, my apparent near cesarean. Oh, near cesarean, okay. Yeah, I had a uh, 10-pound, 10-ounce baby. And after the birth was over, the uh, doctor told me that if she had known that it was over 10 pounds, I would have had a cesarean. Okay, and this was with your... But I didn't and i'm fine and you had a vaginal delivery and there wasn't any sort of complication with shoulder dystocia or anything like that oh heavens no i did have to go on pitocin and i did have an epidural okay but um i delivered okay uh i also had an episiotomy okay um but that was it so no probably some people that get cesareans don't need them Mm. Right. So that whole baby weight thing, that's a great thing to bring up. I think that's a very important thing. So, and I will just say, you know, I'm, I'm coming from my experience with the babies that I've delivered vaginally. And I think of the first baby that I ever attended, you know, and I was a student at that time. So it was almost what, 15, 20 years ago, I have to think. But, um, the first baby that I ever attended in a birth center, was over 13 pounds. Wow. Wow. It's the biggest baby I think I've, I've seen to date in the, of all the women that I've helped. And this woman was tiny and that baby eked out when it was a, it was a baby boy. And when, when you looked at him, he looked like a little football player. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, even this week we had a woman who had, uh, you know, a 10 pound baby vaginally. So and you don't have to have a C-section if you have a, a healthy baby. I, you know, I. It depends on the woman and the situation. I think it really depends yeah. on the woman and the situation. But sometimes I always think if that's if that's what you're being told, ask more questions and maybe get a second opinion. Yeah. Because if you deliver the baby vaginally without complications, that's awesome. So I guess with future pregnancies, why would that be an issue? Right. 
Got it. Thank you for sharing your story with us this, yes, uh, this morning, thank Edith. You. Thank you. Oh, I think she. I think she's gone. <laughs> so you know, and I think you know, this is a really good example because I think this really illustrates um, with Edith sharing her story is really saying. I hear women told these things all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it really makes me sad because women don't know their options. And you're right. This doctor must know or this provider must right. know because they have more information. Right. If you're if something doesn't sound right, ask more questions. Yeah. Get another opinion. Look at the research. The same way you would do with your own babies. Yes. Or your husbands. Yeah. Or your or your works. Take that same care with yourself. Thank yes. you, Dr. Amy Johnson Grace, for sharing you. this with us today. You guys make sure you listen to the podcast.